G'day Nubel, welcome to the Noobsphere Podcast, I am the show's host Shrek, wherever you're listening in the world to this podcast, you're welcome, welcome to get on board and get some stoke in you, learn some tips and tricks, today we're off to chat with at Big Jake Lords on Instagram, this fella, he's, he's awesome, famous for wearing ridiculously thin wetsuits in freezing cold water, he's, uh, he owns a whole bunch of uh, freshwater spearfishing records, He's jovial, he's always stoked, and his Instagram just keeps me buzzing. I love following along on his spearfishing journey. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode where we dig into a lot of his story. And uh, if you love the long-form chats, then uh, definitely come along, follow Noob Sparrow on Instagram, Noob Sparrow, wherever you engage on the um, social media world. It'll be great to hear from you. Um, there's also a Noob Sparrow YouTube channel where these episodes get uploaded. Mostly, mostly the YouTube channel's audio, but if you do want to um, engage with comments and stuff, you can do so there or the Noob Sparrow community on Facebook. It'd be fantastic to hear about where you are in the world, where you listen to the podcast most of the time because some of us do it driving, some of us do it chopping up the vegetables for dinner. Whatever your role is, I'd love to hear about it. Reach out to me. Hey, um... Today, I've, I've also got a couple of shout-outs because I've been neglectful lately and I apologise to the community for that. Um, a few episodes ago, I mentioned the idea of young fellas and ladies that um, are you know, teenagers or whatever, want to make a bit of extra money. Maybe it's a fantastic initiative to start editing um, videos for people for, for a bit of, for a bit of extra money bit extra cash anyway um josh over at twin palms creative wrote in and sent me a bit of an email um check it out twinpalmscreative.com he uses like we transfer so you can transfer um footage to him and he, he charges you and creates can create videos for you basically and um i am I'm going to take Josh up on his offer. He's offered to make me uh, like a one or two minute vid and just to see what the sort of the quality is like. I'll fill you in on how that goes, but I've got to get organized and get him some bloody footage. But um, yeah, yeah. Um, so thanks, Josh, for reaching out to that at twinpalmscreative.com. Um, podcast review, Bingeworthy. I recommend this podcast to every skill level. The guests are amazing and Shrek is amazing. <laughs> thanks for that. Mahamar from uh, the US. Awesome. Um, on... Amazon.com. Unfortunately, the hardcover copy, the soft cover copy of New Spiro's book, 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing, is not available at the moment due to some um, some Amazon issues, which is quite annoying. However, it is in stock at adreno.com.au if you do want a copy. Um, anyway, Teardrop says the Curtis Creek Manifesto of Spearfishing. Good read from Shrek and Turbo. Coming from a fly fishing background, I can say it's the spearfishing equi equivalent of the Curtis Creek Manifesto. It won't win a pull at Pulitzer, sorry Shrek, but it's fun to read, great pictures and can reopen to any page and read for ages uh, and pick up some great tips for spearing. That's from Adam and SoCal, so I uh, appreciate that man. Hey, I don't want to muck around too much, let's get in to Big Jake Lords, hear about some of his spearfishing adventures. Top man, love him, again follow him on Instagram at Big Jake Lords, here we go. This episode of the Noob Spirit Podcast is brought to you by spearfishing.com.au. They've been on board for more than 100 episodes, and I'd love for you to shop at spearfishing.com.au. They have a price beat guarantee, hassle-free returns, flat shipping rates across Australia, and you can save 20 bucks. For every purchase over $200, if you use the code NoobSparrow, you save $20. Thanks for supporting the Noob Spirit Podcast and shopping with spearfishing.com.au. 
partners of the New Spiro podcast, Neptonics.com. Neptonics offers the best spearfishing gear, spear guns, carbon fins, spear gun parts and packages at the lowest prices. Go to Neptonics.com, use the code NOOB10 to save 10% off anything at Neptonics.com. N-O-O-B-1-0. Boom! G'day, New Sparrow community. Today, you're in for a treat. We've got big Jake Lords. Um, I've been looking forward to this chat forever. His Instagram profile is full of stoke about the spearing lifestyle, and he just puts out good vibes. So big welcome to the show, Jake, and uh, a big welcome for big Jake. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm humbled to be here. Yeah, cool, man. Um, your spearfishing location and context is very unique. Uh, you're, you're quite a bit different than a lot of the people we get on the show. Give us a rundown on where you live in spear. Yeah, so I actually live in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, I'm typically spearfishing in some high, in high mountain lakes in either like Wyoming, Nebraska, uh, mostly in Utah, though, um, just because I live close. But, you know, visibility out here is depending on the season. And when I mean season, I dive year round. Mm. Um, but visibility's anywhere from 15 to 20 feet, which is good. And then in some other lakes, you can get up to 30 plus feet. Wow. That's phenomenal, Viz. It is, yeah. All right. And so, but you you do dabble in the salt water as well. Like you travel and you go spearfishing in other places as well. Um, yeah. How, how does it sort of, does it parallel like between freshwater and saltwater? What's the difference for you? I feel like it, I feel like the difference between freshwater and saltwater is like all my buddies that live in Hawaii and, you know, other parts of the world are, are okay with, you know, and they're in their three mil and 60 degree water and I'm just in a rash guard <laughs> and they're all, they're, they're all calling me crazy because I'm used to diving in a, you know, 45 to 50 degree water in a three mil <laughs> and then and then i dive anywhere from 36 to about 40 degrees in a five mil mm, right I'm, I'm just pulling up some um some some translations for me here so 35 degrees fahrenheit is 1.6 degree celsius and then you said like and you're what 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 thickness width are you in for that in a five mil yeah righto and 50 degrees Fahrenheit is, is 10 Celsius. That's, Which um, yeah, is, is a three mil for me. <laughs> You're a beast of a man. Jeepers, that's, that's some, uh, you've got a high tolerance there for cold water. I do, yeah. But like when I'm in, when I'm in salt water and the viz is, you know, 20 feet, and I'm like, I'm loving life because that's like unreal like all the time and you get the, you get my buddies out in Hawaii that are complaining about 20 feet visibility. I'm like, you you guys, I would die for that. Yeah. I, I have an appreciation for like lower vis as well, like in temperate waters because uh, like, I don't know, the spearfishing is different, but it's still really cool. Like 15 feet is really good hunting vis. Like it, it seems like you spook less fish in the, in the, in the for dirty sure. water. Do, do you find that, when you get out to like Hawaii and some of the places with the with the wide open viz, does that affect you at all? Um, does it make it more difficult for hunting and stuff? So I, I feel like when you're like in Hawaii, I feel like you have to dive deeper mm. um, because that you get like most most people can't hunt mm. past thirty feet. You know, I mean, most inexperienced divers. Yeah, for sure. But then you know you get back to you get to the 40 and 60 feet is where 
guys kind of get out of their comfort range. Yep. Or in freshwater, I feel like the comfort zone is like 15 or 20 to 30 feet. Yep. And as far as like going beyond that, like it's, it's kind of hard to say. So also I feel like elevation kind of makes a difference. Yeah. Like when I'm, when I'm at sea level, I can hold my, my, my breath holder a lot longer and my, and my bottom time is obviously a lot longer because so I went spear fishing at 10,000 feet this summer and it like, <laughs> you can hardly breathe up there. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, just walking around. It's pretty, pretty crazy to think. Yeah. Cool. Hey, um, how old are you? So I'm 32 years old. All right. Cool. When did you start spearing? So my first time spear fishing was nine years ago, actually down in Lake Powell. I don't know if you've ever heard of that lake. I have. They run they, the nationals there sometimes. Yeah. They did freshwater nationals three years ago there. Mm. And I was on a work trip, like an incentive work trip, and one of my bosses brought like a little six-foot pole spear with a three-prong on it, yep. and I had never seen anything like it. I mean, <laughs> gr- growing up here in Utah, hmm. like nobody, I mean, at least that I knew of, didn't even know what spear fishing was. Hmm. So he, he took me out and showed me the ropes, and next thing you know, I'm plucking carp left and right. And after that, I was kind of addicted. Yeah, nice. And carp, uh, are they the invasive type? Uh, they, they are. They're they're invasive, but a lot of people don't know this, but you can actually smoke them, and they're actually pretty tasty. Yeah. It's amazing what fish you can smoke, and they taste good. Yeah. Everybody calls the carp out here the trash fish. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. So with carp you smoke them what what other sort of species there are you smoking uh trout uh walleye bass crappie but it's mostly trout and walleye out here yeah okay cool so and um all right we'll get into some species i think might leave some some of the um oh actually let's get into it so so you've you've gone over half a dozen sort of species there um, what's your, give us some size sort of ideas with, with, um, how, how big is a good walleye? Um, I mean, you could typically get 25 to 30 inches and that's a, that's a pretty good size walleye. How heavy? Uh, like anywhere from eight to 10 pounds. Okay. It's a good size fish. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and the bass? Um, the bass anywhere from like typical is like three to four pounds. Okay. Um, I don't know if you heard much about that top dog. Spear fi- freshwater spear fishing tournament. No, I haven't. You know Mike McGuire? I do. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so Mike and a couple other guys started that. It's called Top Dog Spear Fishing Tournament. It's like a kind of like that online, you know, measure it and then record it. So actually, three years ago, I shot the world record smallmouth. Okay. And uh, a lot of I, I get a lot of hassle because everybody still tried to beat it, and nobody's nobody's beat it yet. <laughs> So, but yeah, we can, I'll, I'll talk a little bit later about that, that, right. uh, the experience of that. It was pretty, it was pretty cool. So you got in, you started, um, hooking around with a, with a three, a three prong, uh, Hawaiian sling or pole spear and you, and you were smashing these carp and you, so you, you sort of found a natural sort of fit there by the sounds of it. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, cause kind of, kind of growing up, a lot of my buddies would fly fish and, I, I would try to get into it, but I'm like, I don't have enough patience for this. Mm. Like to sit there and, you know, watch your, watch your indicator, wait till it hits. And then you're, you know, throwing the 
fly rod up to hook the hook the fish and i'm like i can't do this so yeah so once my buddy showed me how to uh kind of get the gist of actually spear fishing i kind of went you know full board into it yeah i ended up buying my you know after that trip i ended up buying my first spear gun yeah right um at, at a local dive shop out here uh, or it was a it's a it was a jbl lightning lightning 22 i've heard jbl have sort of gone through a bit of a a renaissance though i heard that new jbl guns some of them are actually pretty good but some of their old stuff is sort of not considered like of of great quality no i, I mean let, yeah I lived in Hawaii for like a couple months for work mm. and I went to go pull it back and where the, the butt of the guns connected to like the actual shaft, it actually snapped in half cause it's aluminum. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> How did it shoot? Was it, was it, did it get the job done? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Got the job done. It was just nothing when I'm, it's not like anything I'm using right now for sure. Mm-hmm. These days, you're sponsored by Hatch Amira, aren't you? Yeah, Hatch Custom Spear Guns. Cool, cool. And um, Mike makes those guns, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, kind of, kind of funny story about how how I met Mike. So it was actually when I was living in Hawaii. My I broke my gun, and um, I don't know if you know John Dornelius. Uh, I'm kind of familiar with him. Like I follow him on social. I, I haven't interacted yeah. with him much. So he actually lined me up with a, like a guy out in Hawaii. His name's Mike Jutt. Mm. And Mike Jutt lined me up with Hatch. And then I ended up, so I actually sell security systems for a living. Okay. So I ended up selling Mike a security system and just became friends. And then fast forward two years later, he's like, hey, I don't, I don't have any freshwater divers. <laughs> and we just kind of stayed in contact. So I'm... I'm one of Mike's first freshwater divers. Yeah, nice. Well, you're definitely an ambassador for freshwater spearing. Like, like I said, like your Instagram at, at Big Jake Lords. Like, there's just there's just a ton of good vibes on there. Like, it's 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 mostly spearfishing, but um, you know, you've always got some good things to say about about stuff, and uh, so it's cool. I can see why um, why sponsors are interested in, in following you. I um I had a a couple of fan questions. Um, Ragnarok Lee, first of all, he says Big Jake is a straight straight G. So, <laughs> but Austin, he says, um, just while we're talking about fisheries and stuff like local, like um, freshwater fisheries, um, Austin says, how do how do you recommend approaching local departments of natural resources for opening more spearfishing regulations in your uh, in your area? Um, he says he's currently residing in Ohio, where only trash fish are allowed to be speared. And um, he says there was supposed to be a meeting in March, but it got cancelled due to the COVID lockdown. But so, what's your advice to Austin? So I think just kind of working with uh, fish and game, hmm. and just kind of showing that that spear fishing isn't bad. Hmm. Just because, I mean, even here in Utah we try and get more and more lakes opened each year. And I feel like we do a pretty good job at it. Hmm. Um, but just kind of show them that like, we're not, we're not out there shooting every single big fish. To be honest, I'll go out and dive for three hours and I'll see five fish and shoot two of them. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it's not like the ocean where you're, you know, you're seeing schools of fish. 
mm. where, you know, go on out and dive in a couple hours. You're going to see, like, if you, if you see 10 fish, like that's an incredible day. Yeah. Do you think like there's there's less nutrients and stuff for life in freshwater environments? So obviously, there's less oxygen in the water, and is that part of the reason why there is less? Um, yeah, I just I also think I think it gets fished pretty hard. Yeah, by you know guys on boats, hmm. but then I feel like you know Wyoming, Utah, Colorado, like these big mountain fisheries, they're really good about um, going out and stocking you know these lakes with fish and uh, you had a point there about trash fish before um which fish are trash to you to be honest i, I don't think there is anything it, you i feel like you can eat any fish yeah yeah like tilapia are an invasive here that people make comments about some people really like to eat them though and they just have a lot of it's like there's no trash fish. There's only trash cooks, as a saying I've heard. Do you, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. So there's actually it's funny you say that. There's actually a lake out here, in it's on the Nevada Utah border. It's called Blue Lake, mm. and it it actually has tilapia in it, and it's a natural spring lake that stays mm. about sixty eight to seventy two degrees year round. Wow. So yeah, so yeah, we'll go out there and shoot tilapia and paku. Yep. So the the temperatures of the different lake systems you've got around, obviously they pl- that plays a significant part in which species um, sort of uh, thrive in those environments. Is, is that what you see? Yeah. So right now until I would say the beginning to middle of December, what, what I have found is you're going to find – uh, smallmouth bass, rainbow trout, uh, cutthroats, brook trout, um, brown trout, because a lot of them are starting to spawn. Mm. I mean, not the not the bass, but the a lot of the trout are starting to spawn. You'll sometimes find them in like their beds, swimming around, and a lot of people say it's cheating, but hey, I'm <laughs> underwater. <laughs> you're free diving on a breath holder as long as yeah, exactly. as long as you're not taking more than the the environment can handle i think i think it's still uh yeah and just like just like regular fishing um with fresh water there's daily limits which we obviously abide by getting back into your learning journey um free diving what like um, have you done a course? Did you have any troubles with, with, um, learning to hold your breath? What was sort of that journey like for you? So actually it's kind of funny. You talk, you say that is, um, I don't know if you know, do you know Derek LeVault? No. So he, uh, he was Kurt Chambers, like free dive partner or spearfishing partner back in the day. Hmm. And he lives out in Hawaii and he started making his own wetsuit. So he made me a wetsuit and he's like super down to earth kind of showed me the ropes, um, breath holds, um, bottom time. And like, I'm still shocked at like, if you talk to anybody in Hawaii that like actually spearfishes religiously, they'll know who Derek Lavald is. Cause the dude has an unreal breath hold. Yeah. Right. On. But he, uh, yeah, I actually still remember it. He's like, Hey, right here, this, there's a drop right here. That's 90 feet. I'm going to be right here on your side. Just push, push yourself to do it. He's like, if you can get to 60 feet, it's awesome. 
Mm. So I got to 60 feet and I'm like, I've still got some breath hold. So I just kept on going <laughs> and, and I ended up, yeah, I ended up going down to like 92 feet. Not cheap. Uh, and then I, <laughs> the crazy thing is, is I turned to my left and he's just like hanging out, like, like nothing's happening. <laughs> and I'm like, and it just kind of blew my mind. I think you'll agree with me when I say that contractions suck. But what if I told you there was a way to relax and steadily push them back and to do so safely? Freediving for Spearfishers at howtofreedive.com will help you to extend your breath hold, understand your body better, and put you in a better position when you actually get to go out spearfishing. It's not a program or a course for noobs as it's definitely something for more advanced spearers who've had some sort of diving under their belt and understand basic spearfishing safety but it is perfect for spearers who want a guided program with videos a clear process to follow and a set goal it's definitely got that it's a 28 day program that you can stretch out a little bit longer if you haven't got the time but it's this formulaic approach to get you to hold your breath in a dry static for five minutes it's just a dry breath hold training that's actually achievable because most of the time we start with dry training and there are a few good apps out there as well however without sort of this this process to guide us through we get lost and we fall apart and the discipline goes away anyway you can get started for free check it out at howtofreedive.com if you do want to purchase it use the code noobspero but you can do the first couple of days free let's check it out at howtofreedive.com again use the code noobspero if you decide to purchase you seem to have like a pretty resilient sort of nature i guess like i saw on your instagram that you know a couple of your buddies decided that you know they were going to do a marathon with 35 days notice and you just had a crack yeah that was uh that was an experience and alone it was literally the stupidest thing i've probably done (laughs) (laughs) but i mean the type of guy that will do a marathon with 35 days notice is you know, like obviously you take a, a, a different sort of mindset into spearfishing as well, maybe. Would you agree with that? Oh, for sure. So, yeah. So I, I think just my lifestyle is just, or just life in general, and I've got an awesome wife, but I kind of look, you know, instead of the negative in things with like the world, you know, these days, I try and try and keep everything pretty positive. Mm. Like, and in my mind, like, kind of my life philosophy is, you know, what do you have to lose? What do you have to gain Mm. to where, you know, if I'm going out spearfishing in 35 degree water, you know, if I didn't get in, Mm. then in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm never going to know what, what, what happened. Yeah, right. I'm never going to know that end result. And same thing with like the marathon is, um, so I was actually, I was doing a program called 75 hard where I would do two workouts a day. One had to be outside um well, that's 45 and, minutes that's andy Frisellas. Frisellas, yeah. Is that yeah. yeah 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 so yeah the andy Frisella 75 hard yeah um so i ended up doing it i actually ended up completing it i ended up losing like 58 pounds in the process of it man good and, effort Solid. you know and, and ran a marathon or finished finished a marathon and that yeah that that marathon was so it was crazy because 11 of the miles i'm not joking you we're on complete like sand dune sand <laughs> as if yeah, a marathon's was, not hard enough without that i mean doing even doing 75 hard it just kind of teaches you that kind of mind over matter yeah that your your mind's a lot stronger 
you know, than, than what people think. Mm. And it kind of, it, it actually kind of ties into spearfishing because mm. when people are like, I mean, I've hopped into, I've literally gone out with an ax, chopped a hole in the ice while guys are right next to me ice fishing. And they're like begging me not to get in. And I'm like, I'm, I'm good. I'm like, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to go dive down and like see what I can find. And you know, <laughs> they're kind of like, Holy crap. Like, is this guy really doing this? Yeah. Like, should we call, should we call the, you know, the ambulance right now? Being a bigger unit too, they're probably worried about how they, how they're going to get you out of there if they need to resuscitate you. Yeah. I, I mean, it's kind of funny when, you know, even on Instagram, People are like, oh, how much weight do you have on? I'm like, enough to get down. So, <laughs> I want to get into it in the veteran's fault. Um, and I'm thinking let's let's go there now. Like um, this, like cold and relaxation, they don't really play that well together. But, you know, Eric, uh, Eric Keener says, how in the world does Jake stay warm in those cold lakes in a thin wetsuit? I think he wears like a three mil. Um, and... You know, for this veteran's fault, you and I were going to have a little little bit of a, a chat about diving in unrealistic conditions and cold water, snowing, negative outside temperatures and stuff like that. So let's let's do it now. So relaxation and being extremely cold, how does that work together? How do you how do you make that happen? I feel like when you know, right before I get in the water, I you know I'll take my mask on, do the MDR, and like I feel like the colder the water is, I feel like the lower I can get my heart rate. Mm. And I feel like anybody that spearfishes does their, you know, kind of mindset or, you know, not, not yoga, but their relaxation to kind of get into the mood of spearfishing and, you know, being mm. super calm. Yep. But I mean, when I'm, when I'm out diving with buddies that are somewhat experienced, you know, I'll, I'll go to, you know, 45, 50, 60 feet but a lot of the time, like it sounds crazy, but a lot of people aren't willing to get in the water with me at those temperatures. So it probably is stupid, but I mean, I'll, I'll go by myself, mm. but I'll like in my mind, I'm like, there's no way I, I, I cannot dive past 30 feet. Mm. Mm. Well, I'm not going to hassle you about that because um, I've been known to dive alone, you know, in the past as well. I now prefer to dive with buddies, like good buddies that, that work in as a team. But, um, yeah. you know, like, you know, each to their own. I'm not going to hassle you about that today. But, like, when you're getting into this super cold um, water, like, it sounds like your mindset is more to just think about the cold kind of as something that gives you help. Like, it doesn't sound like you're, you're, you're not really worried about the cold at all. Like, it seems to be a real mindset you have. Yeah, I mean – so I was actually talking to a guy about it today and it, it, it's funny. Like a lot of people are like, Oh, you're crazy to get in. I'm like, Oh, for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm a complete crazy ass. But bottom line is, is like, I'll get all of a brain freeze for, and I'm not kidding. I'll literally have a brain freeze for the first 20 minutes. Yeah. And once you get one, once you kind of get past that, like I can stay in 36 to 38 degree water for, three hours <laughs> that's pretty good going man so i use that five mil that um hatch makes and then i've got uh they're not i don't they're not spearfishing gloves they're they're actually duck hunting gloves okay. they're uh they're they're three millimeters but then they're like 
they have a fleece lining inside. Okay. And those will actually, so that, that's what I've actually kind of found is that the things that are going to get cold first are your feet and your hands. Yeah. And if, and if those stay warm, then I feel like you're and you know, also your head, if it stays warm, then I feel like you can be good for, you know, as long as your body can kind of handle it. There's a whole like, you know, group of people that are kind of obsessed with cold. Like I think Wim, Wim Hof kind of brought it back to the forefront and like yeah, pe- people talk about a number of physiological benefits like such as improved circulation, um, deeper sleep, you know, you get a, a spike in your energy levels that can re- re- reduce inflammation in your body. Some people think it, it, it helps with depression and boosting your immune system. There's all sorts of sort of anecdotal sort of wisdom around this, you know, immersion in, in, in extreme cold. How, how, do you, what, what's your experience with that? Um, well, I know I don't have a problem sleeping. You can ask my wife about that. (laughs) And, um, I haven't really looked too much into that. I just, like I said, I'm just super humbled to, to be on this podcast. And, um, I mean, the fact that you get Cameron, Kirk O'Connell and all those big guys that are Justin Lee, Ryan Myers, like, Mm. Like the, the, those guys are my heroes, Mike Hatcher, Shane Cables. Like mm. those are the, those are, those are the guys that are like, in my eyes are like true spear fishermen Yeah, or two, two spearos that are just, but as far as like, yeah, cold water, like it honest, in all honesty, it's, it, it's a mindset. Mm. So mm. It, it, in your head, if you go into it and I think like just anything in life, if you go into it, like, and you almost trick yourself that you can't do it. And you're for sure not going to be able to do it. But then if you almost just kind of trick your mind that, Hey, mind over matter, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. But then mm. also like it's gotten to a point where I love spearfishing so much mm. that I'm okay to go local and go dive in cold water. Mm. But yeah, I would, I would love to dive warm water <laughs> year yeah. round, but that's obviously not my case. So when you like, it, it it does sound like you've kind of just made friends with the cult, you know. Like, but but when you first get in the water and you, you you were talking about getting that ice cream headache and you know like it makes all of my muscles tense when I get you know like in freezing water and there's there's a there's a real strong reaction like our, our bodies naturally kind of fight the cold. What, what do you what process do you go through in your mind to kind of get through that first? you know, 20 minutes that you were talking about. So actually like within the first 20 minutes, I'm, I'm, I'm actually just going to be kicking around trying to get mm. my body warmed up and I actually drink a t- I'll probably drink a gallon of water. Okay. And I'll actually, I'll, I'll pee through my wet. I'll pee in my wetsuit to stay warm. Okay. Like it's funny as, as funny as it sounds. Yeah. You must, like, you yeah. must smell fantastic when you get out after oh. three hours of swimming around in your pee. But three hours swimming around my pee and then, and then driving to a different spot and being in a wetsuit for 12 hours. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. There, it, it's honestly probably like one of the worst smells ever. Like I've, I have to, I have to take two showers <laughs> just, just to get the smell out. How do you get the smell out of your wetsuit? <laughs> um, so I actually just, I just wash it and hang dry it. In a washing machine or by yeah. hand? Okay. Uh, just in a washing machine, then I hang dry it. 
I found when I machine washed my wetsuits, sometimes the neoprene, you've got to hang them obviously inside out. But if you store them or anything like in that state, sometimes the neoprene, it's like it rebonds to itself. And then when you peel it apart, it's like it'll, you know, sometimes it, it'll tear holes in the suit. Have you found that? No, I haven't, I haven't gotten any holes in my wetsuits. Okay, cool. Well, you wouldn't want to. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 30 degree water, you don't really want oh, no, you, a hole in your suit. You get that hole and, yeah, you're done. Yeah, it's game over. Like, we've talked a little bit about the cold and sort of your process with it. Um, have you always been like that with cold or is this something that you've developed? Uh, no, I feel like I've always been pretty good with my with cold. I, I grew up, you know, skiing and uh, going out with Boy Scouts and building snow caves and sleeping in them at night. And I haven't, and like I said, I'm a bigger guy. Mm. So I actually like when I sweat, I'm, I'm sweating. Yeah. But one, but I can, I feel like I can handle the cold a lot better than, you know, most people. And I feel like that helps, that, that helps a ton. Yeah. Sweet. Sweet. All right, cool. So you, you got started in this lake and you managed to spare a couple of carp. I mean, moving on from sort of those first early days, what, when, when was it the fish that you sort of shot like that, that, that everything clicked and you just thought, this is what I do, you know, like I'm going to spearfish forever. Was there a fish that really stands out that helped cement that for you? Yeah. So it, it was, it was three years ago. I, I mean, it was, it was kind of funny. It was right around this time time of year and I got up to the lake there was two people fishing on the shore and before I had seen I had seen like these smallmouth bass um and I, the there was a state record in Utah that was like three and a half pounds okay. and I just like I had my mindset I'm like I'm gonna find this fish and I'm gonna shoot it and it's gonna be the state record for Utah I had <laughs> no idea that there were world records for spearfishing at all <laughs> so uh so i'm putting my wetsuit on it's like 36 degrees fahrenheit outside and right before i get in the water it starts snowing oh wow I, like I'll, I'll always remember that so i so i get in the water these like two fishermen that on the shore they're like wearing full like winter coats and they're like you're they asked me, they're like, are you really getting in the water right now? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I got to get this. So I ended up getting in the water. I ended up diving down to, I think it was like 15 to 17 feet. Yeah. And I see, I see this bass and I'm like, that's a big bass. Ended up shooting them actually right um, through the gill, through the mouth. Yep. So like you wouldn't even tell if a shaft went through it. Oh, nice. Uh, ended up getting them out. Ended up weighing them just on my. <laughs> um, I also didn't know that like certified scale was a thing. Yep. <laughs> so I had like I had like a little kitchen like a kitchen scale that you weigh meat. Yeah. That I took from my house. Um, ended up ended up being five pounds fourteen ounces. Hmm. Uh, so so then I call one of my buddies and I was like, hey, I think I shot the state record. And he's like, how big was it? And I was like, well. At, on my scale, it weighed five pounds, 14 ounces. And he's like, he's like, that's not a state record. That's a world record. Jeepers. And I'm like, Oh, I'm like a world record. I'm like, what do you mean? And then he sends me like kind of the website. IUSA. So then I drive. Yeah. IUSA. So then, so then I drive down and I have to find a certified scale. And I'm asking him like, where do you find a certified scale? And he's like, Oh, like a post office. So 
I'm walking into a post office wearing my wetsuit, <laughs> uh, wearing my wetsuit, holding this. I have this smallmouth bass in a in a cooler, <laughs> and and they're like, I'm like, hey, I got to get this certified. It could be a world record. And I slapped this smallmouth bass on the scale, and there was probably about ten people in the post office. And everybody was like dumbfounded at like what they are seeing right now. <laughs> so that's uh, uh, that's kind of like my fish to remember for the rest of my life. But yeah, did um, you did you have to keep that fish like freeze it and 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 or could you eat it? No. So actually, I actually um, I kept it on ice for a day, and then I actually took it to a taxidermy, and he ended up mounting it for me. Yeah, nice. So um, I did a, a live skin mount with him. Have you have you got a a photo of that that mount? Yeah, I do. Yep. All right, sick. I might put it in today's show notes. So if people go to noobspero.com forward slash big jack, I'll uh, I'll have a picture of it in there so people can get a get an idea about about that fish. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Hey, before you mentioned like smoking fish, um, and like you talked about a couple of fish that are good, like you know. Fish that people sometimes consider as trash, like carp and stuff like that. Um, how do you smoke them? And um, just walk us through that process. Yeah, so there's kind of a there is kind of a process. In it. So um, with the carp, uh, I usually will smoke one that's a little bit smaller, just because you know the bigger ones are, you know, they've been eating trash for quite quite some time. So I'll get like, <laughs> I'll get a I'll get a carp that's, I mean, a huge carp is you know, 30, 32 inches where I'll get like a medium sized carp that's like 20 inches and I'll actually, I'll flay it. Okay. And then with the filet, I'll, I'll brine it for 24 hours in like salt, water and pepper and lemon pepper. Okay. And then I'll take out the, so I'll wait 24 hours, take it out, wash it off and then throw the, throw the um, filet on the smoker and cook it at 220 degrees Jeez. um smoked for eight hours and every hour uh i have lemon pepper pineapple juice and um lemon right. juice okay and every every hour i'm gonna be brushing the fillet the filleted of the wet, carp the wet yep, brine on, with the yep yep so the wet brine onto it every hour until yep. it's done smoking okay cool cool so, so, so that way just because they're they're super almost kind of a gamey taste all right but yeah I'll, I'll, I'll do that for for eight hours and actually it comes out pretty tasty like i gave it to my father-in-law and brother and they actually thought it was trout it was so good mm. so i noticed like in your insta you link up like camp chef smokers what are, what are they are they is that the yes. smoker you use yeah so it's coming out of utah okay they uh yeah they're they're very generous to me and they mm. uh so it's actually a it's a smoker that can also be a grill and they'll and then they do like a a gas sear box on the side for doing reverse sears oh nice okay cool so, yeah so they'll, yeah they'll get up to like when you're grilling they'll get up to 500 degrees and then they have like you know low smoke high smoke but yeah they're it it almost makes like a a bad cook into a really good cook <laughs> sounds good <laughs> it, for me. It, do you use chips like uh wood chips yeah, and stuff the, so actually pellets yeah okay it's a pellet burner yeah so it's, it, it does pellets and gas in that so it does, yeah it does pellets and then it has a a gas uh for the for the sear box on the side okay cool 
And I noticed that brown sugar was conspicuously absent. You don't put sugar on them? Uh, I don't, no. Hmm. You, uh, you recommend it? Oh, I don't know. Like, it just seems pretty sort of par for the par for the course, if you like, with a lot of um, with a lot of smokes. But um, no, I yeah, I like hearing different different styles about doing it. So, you know, you're always really cool. But yeah, maybe try some brown sugar. Just like sometimes you can just use straight brown sugar and that's it. And um, but yeah, everyone everyone has a crack differently. Like um, I'll have to try that. Or, or you use salt first and then your brown sugar layer on top. But, um, yeah, I'm, oh, okay. I'm by no means an expert. I don't even have a smoker. Uh, my mate, Matt, he he does a lot of it for me. So, um, but yeah, um, that's very interesting to hear. Um, and I think, yeah, like the benefits of smoking is, is like you can turn fish that sometimes people think are trash into really, really tasty meals for your family. So mm. For sure. Mm. Um, what about hunting techniques? Like... Um, Obviously, you've made friends with a lot of fly fishermen, you were saying, over the years, and they really like you and follow you on social media. And uh, <laughs> I, wish, I wish they liked me. <laughs> so <laughs> why don't they like you? Because I'm shooting their beautiful fish that they want to catch on the on a rod and reel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, that, there's a delicate... Um, relationship we have with line fishermen uh, and I'm not sure about fly fishermen because I haven't encountered many but um, what's the reason for the latest sort of uh, big Jake versus fly fishermen um, uh, a lot of them a lot of them are all about catch and release yep and in my eyes I'm like why would you catch something that sweet and release it well you release like, it. it you release it, it into your belly yeah, he, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I've had a lot of people message me on Instagram and other, you know, Facebook, and they're like, how can you, how can you kill such a beautiful fish? Hmm. I just, resp- the way I respond, I'm like, well, I'm not going to eat the fish while it's lit, while it's alive. You can't eat and- a photo, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but back to hunting techniques, um, what's your favorite sort of freshwater species to hunt and how do you do it effectively? So, I, I actually really like hunting walleye. Mm. So, they'll actually, they'll be in like a, in the rocks and um, in the kind of debris, fallen, fallen trees is what I found. Mm. And it, the reason I kind of like, the reason I like hunting walleye is because it, it it makes me almost feel like I'm hunting in the ocean because I'm like swimming through these, swimming through these trees and, um, and then kind of going back to it, like freshwater fish are, they're really like ocean fish. They're curious. Mm. So you, you know, you can get in there like, um, I don't know if you know Shane Cables. No. He's, he's on, he's on team hatch, but he, uh, he's got some great videos of him on the bottom, just throwing up sand. And I'm like, look, I'm uh, in my head, I'm like, let's try this with bass because they're curious. Mm. So I'll like, I'll start throwing up some like, you know, sand to see if any fish come in. Sure enough, these you know smallmouth bass start coming in. You know, easier to shoot. Yep. So, but as far as trout, uh, what I've kind of found is right now is the the kokanee are spawning right now, and it's illegal to to catch um, even like with rod and reel okay. uh, for, for kokanee in Utah. 
But what I found is when you're diving around the kokanee, there's typically going to be trout around them. Mm. Oh, okay. And and I think that the trout almost in my mind are thinking the same thing. They're like, you know, we're just going to get caught and released because, you know, we're right here next to the kokanee and nobody's going to fish right next to us. Yep, yep. And then next, and then next thing you know, they've got a shaft in their head. <laughs> as as the as freshwater, similar to saltwater, and the fact that like when you find uh, an aggregation of fish, whether it's bait or something else, you know you'll quite often find a few species. It'll be a hot spot for quite a few different species. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so if you typically find like some kokanee, you'll typically find like a, some cutthroat or some rainbows in there, and which is you know kind of what most spear fishermen are kind of after if they're going after trout. Okay. But yeah, same thing. Like, uh, with trout, it's a little bit different than like walleye and bass, where if you see like walleye and bass, you can, you know, see them from the surface and dive down on them. Yeah. Or with trout, you kind of have to sit there, sit on the bottom and kind of wait for them. And if you see them, you know, you're going to get lucky and just shoot them. So, Let's just say like you're swimming along, you know, like surface of lake and you find um, an aggregation of these, um, uh, what was it, coca, what was Coconut. the name? Coconut. And you find, you know, like you maybe there's half a dozen fish there and you, you know there's going to be some fish around it. What's your approach from swimming over top and finding this aggregation? What do you, what's your approach then? What will you generally do? So I'll typically, you know, make a, make a, like a, not a bottom, like all the way to the bottom dive, but like down to like 10 feet just to kind of see if I can see any, cause you like the kokanee are a super like red where the rainbow trout are, you know, underwater, they have that silver, that silver look to them underwater. Yep. So you just kind of get down to about, you know, what I, what I have found personally is about down to 10 feet. Mm. If it's like, you know, if you're in 30, 40 feet water and then once you get down to that, once you kind of see them and then you'll dive a little bit deeper to see if there's any bigger ones down there. Okay. You, you can typically find them. So you do a little, a little scouting dive, assess if there's like the, the target yep. fish underneath them. And then what you head up, head up on the surface and just get a good sort of nice, relax, breathe up. Yeah. And then, yep. And then do your bottom dive. Correct. Okay, cool. And with with these sort of these aggregations, are you mostly hunting from the bottom, or will you shoot something on the way down? Uh, mostly hunting from the bottom. Mm, okay. But yeah, I mean, if if I see something on the way down, I'm for sure going to shoot it. Because, and do you like, because because like I said, like if if you're spearfishing and you see, you know, in a two to three hour span, if you see, you know, between walleye, bass, and um, trout or coconut trout. Yep. trout you're you know if you see if you see 10 of them during this time like it, i feel like it's a pretty good day yeah right okay so you get on the bottom um what what's your typical structure i mean is there a lot of variation and 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 do you hide in it as it does that work yeah yeah so you, you'll get a lot of rock hmm. uh not like huge boulders um and there's obviously no coral or reef that you can hide in but uh, yeah, I mean, you can get there in the rocks and just kind of sit there for, you know, a minute to 90, 90 seconds and just kind of wait for fish to swim by. And, you know, once you see them, but yeah, it's typically going to be rocks or like falling down trees. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Nice. All right. And, um, 
What what spear gun are you or spear guns are you using? What's your setup? Yeah, so I actually use a right now I'm using a Hatch 110 centimeter. Let's see. So this one no, so it's a hundred centimeter um Euro enclosed track. Okay. So but before I was using a um hundred centimeter gremlin that Hatch makes. And then he and then he made me a enclosed track. Nice. Euro and it it's like a game changer. And you'd be able to use quite a narrow diameter shaft there because your maximum fish size is probably not yeah. much over do you ever shoot anything over fifteen pound in the lakes? Oh, heavens no. Yeah, cool. So what what are you using? Like a six point five mil or uh, do you know the I'm diameter using, of the shaft? I'm using a nine and thirty two. Ah, yep. Let me cross that over. Nine and thirty-two to uh, millimeters. Let's have a look. Seven mil. Ah, yep. Okay, I, th- I think so. Oh, I don't yeah. know actually. All right, yep, yep. It's pretty typical. Yeah, righto. And um, how much overhang have you got? Are you running a, a shorter overhang off the end of the barrel? Yeah, I am. Yep. Okay. So I've got like probably like seven to ten. 10 inches off the barrel. Okay, cool. Yep, yep. Nice. And um, and are you running a reel or, or a rig line and float? Just a, Yeah, just a rig line. I feel like, you know, listening to a lot of your podcasts and having a reel in fresh water isn't, yep. I mean, <laughs> you know, if you're not shooting a fish over, you know, 15 pounds, mm. like, you know, you can pull it right up to the surface. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, sure. But also you're shooting and, you know, if you shoot it, like it's it's not going to get away. Mm. Mm, nice. But like a you know saltwater fish will just run. Are are the lake species are they soft flesh? Like do they tear off a lot? They do. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm typically trying to shoot it like gill head area. I mean, like every spear fisherman would, mm. just because there's like you shoot it in the in the middle, you're losing a lot of meat. Yeah, it's particularly on smaller fish, I think. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, man. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I'd love to get over there one day and just have a crack. Like, um, it sounds like a, an interesting and different environment. But um, if you love spearing, then I'm sure it's just as fun as the salt water. For sure. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. Simple, accurate, deadly. Use the code NOOB, N-O-O-B, and save $30 on any spear gun for a limited time only. Go to killshotspearguns.com, check them out for yourself. Handmade in the Florida Keys by Ed Martin. Use the code NOOB, N-O-O-B, or head into the shop and say, Crikey, mate. And apparently Ed will hook you up with a $30 discount on any timber spear gun. Get your hands on one, killshotspearguns.com. This episode of the Noob Sparrow Podcast is brought to you by the world's greatest spearfishing magazine, Spearing Magazine. There are news and reviews for the latest spearfishing equipment and gadgets inside. There's practical how-to and DIY type articles. There's spearing adventures from crazy noobers like you from all over the world. And uh, it's, it's a magazine that you can pick up or you can look at. And if you've got the digital subscription, you can flick through and let it inspire your next spearfishing adventure even if you're having a dry run, keep the stoke alive. Check it out at spearingmagazine.com. If you're away from the good old USA, though, check out the international subscription. That's at spearingmagazine.com. 
All right, man, what about funny stuff? Um, you, it sounds like you do a fair bit of solo diving, so you miss out on some of the laughs that you can have with good dive buddies. Um, <laughs> but um, what are some of the funny things or one of the funny things that's happened to you, Spear? Um, I was actually spearfishing with a buddy, and we were just just regular dive. We had, I, I, I think I had two trout on my on my belt, and all, all of a sudden, it literally scared the crap out of me. A giant beaver swam right next to me. <laughs> I thought I thought it was a dog. Yeah. And I was like, what's this dog doing? And next thing you know, it like pops up on the water, starts paddling. Yeah. But that was, that was pretty funny. And then also, <laughs> I was by myself and like, I'll never, I'll never forget this experience. So it was actually, I'm getting in my wetsuit the temperature outside is 15 degrees mm. Fahrenheit. Mm. So that's, what is that Celsius? Negative. Negative something. <laughs> Cold. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, but then the water temperature was like 45 degrees. Yep. But it was like probably a, probably a quarter mile walk from like where my car was parked to the water. It's negative 10 degrees Celsius. So it's so a negative 10 degrees Celsius, 15 uh, degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. So I ended up shooting one trout and I'm like, this is, this is crazy. So I go on, um, get out of the water. And from the time, um, from the time I'm walking out of the water, back to my car, mm. my wetsuit had completely froze. The fish <laughs> was complete. The fish was completely frozen. And my hair was like, it, it was like frosted tips. Yeah. Well, so you that's, would, I mean, the good thing is you wouldn't need like a, a cooler box. You could just throw it in a cardboard box. And, uh, well, obviously a plastic box would be better so then you don't have wet fishy cardboard. But, um, yeah, you wouldn't need a cooler. No, no. Yeah, I just I just throw it in, throw <laughs> it in like a, a plastic bin and, you know. Away you go. Nice, yeah. man. Jeepers, that's a cold day spearfishing. Oh, yeah. That's a day that I'll always remember. Mm. So I've also I've also experienced like nothing crazy but like, like moose that those have been kind of, kind of scary moments just cause moose are not the most friendly mammals. Yeah, for sure. They've been, they've been known to attack humans, mm. um, but I'll be in the water and I pop up and there's a moose right there on the shore. And I'm like, Holy shit. Like what's going to happen right now? Yeah. And yeah. Cause they swim too, don't they? Like quite long distances oh. at times as well. Oh yeah. Yeah, and they're a big animal too. Like, jeez, that'd, that'd be scary. Bigger than a horse. Mm-hmm. So beavers and moose—that's what you got to watch out for there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry about seals. I have to worry about beavers. <laughs> Worst nightmare: uh, 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 a beaver riding on the back of a moose. Oh man, that's uh, don't even talk about it. <laughs> it's different style of spearfishing, you know. It's a really different environment oh, yeah. that I'm used to, but it's cool oh, yeah. to hear about. Um, all right, man. So we've talked about your spear gun, and you've talked a bit about the wetsuits that you're using. What about the rest of your dive gear? What else are you using? What's um, right. so you talked about your gloves as well, like with the the yeah, lined. So yeah, so it's, called, it's a company called Glacier Glove. Okay. Um, so it's actually like a a glove that people use for duck hunting to okay. pu- put, to put out the decoys. Yep. So I'll use that. And then for my booties, I use a Argos three mil or four millimeter. Okay. Which those have been like a lifesaver. Nice. And like that's for cold water. And then, um, and then I use a two, mi- they're two mil, two millimeter for when 
the water's a little bit warmer. Okay, cool. What about fins? Um, right now I'm using hat, the hatch custom carbon fiber fins. Okay, cool. What are they like? They're good. So, yes. I mean, I'm going from, a I had the mares razor fin plastic fins. Yep. Yep. From going from those to carbon is like nine day difference. Yeah. Yeah. What what's the biggest, like sometimes like you, you do a dive by dive comparison, the performance doesn't seem huge, but it's, it's like when you get out at the end of the day, like, uh, like if you've used carbons all day and then you try on a pair of plastics, they just feel awful, don't they? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I actually let my buddy use, um, my carbon fins and I use his plastic plastic fins and I'm like, dude, how do you swim with these on? <laughs> like you, you almost feel like you can't even move your feet in the water. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, actually. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm super humbled to be a part of team hatch, freshwater, yeah, nice. freshwater edition. <laughs> you got a couple of other little sponsors there too. I see. Um, or, or they are on your Instagram. Are they sponsors? Like, there was um, Pelican Coolers and Bubba Blade, yeah. I think. Yeah? Yeah, Pel- Pelican Coolers, they're super generous. Um, Bubba yeah, Blade. Bubba Bla- yeah, Bubba Blade, they're, they're, in my opinion, the best of the best filet knives, you, you know, out there. What, where are they made? And, like, give us a little bit of an idea about them. From my understanding, they're they're out of Missouri. Okay. But, yeah, they're, they, they, make a, they actually make a set where you can – um, where it's got like a flex knife, a fillet, not like a super thin for like um, boning fish, and they you can just pop in the the knife into a handle and just switch out the whole time. Yes, yeah, I, I know. I know Cameron Kirk O'Connell's a big fan of them. Yeah, nice. All right, cool. And then I messaged uh, Monster Energy. Okay. And they're uh, yeah, they're, they've been really generous to me. Yeah, sweet, sweet. So, so I just tell, I always tell my buddies that, you know, I'm like, I just tell them I'm, I'm not even good at spearfishing. I'm just amazing at marketing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think the thing that's different about your social media profile is like, it's, there's a lot of positivity in there and there's a lot of encouragement about for people to develop more resilience and, you know, just take, take things on, you know, like um, a lot of our problems are mental. And I think, you know, one of the biggest things about you is, you know, you you've pointed that out with this cold water. You know you love spearfishing so much that you've just been prepared to take the cold water on, and a lot of people don't have that. You know that um, that that ability to put themselves out of their comfort zone. Yeah, I mean, not only that, but what I've kind of found is, like, I'm a, I'm a bigger dude. Mm. Like, I'm six two, two hundred ninety pounds. Yeah, and and. A lot of people in their head, they're like, they're like, oh, I'm obese. You know, I, I can't do that. And like, in my head, I'm like, I'm obese. Like, why shouldn't I do that? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like it, it just, I guess it just kind of pushes me to, you know, be that different person to yeah. go ab- above and beyond than, you know, what everybody in their typical, like in their head is like, and, and maybe that's why people are kind of shocked when they're like, you're you're diving in what temperature wearing what wetsuit <laughs> i'm like yeah like i'm just trying to make the best of what i have yeah no awesome man love it so and gr- gratitude goes a long way so awesome man um we're going to wrap out with some faster paced questions it's spiro q a are you ready 
Yeah, go ahead. All right, cool. What is the single best piece of advice you've been given for spearfishing? Uh, it's probably the be- the best single is you you can't you can't shoot what you can't see. Nice. All right, what's the bit? What's been the single best resource for improving your spearfishing? Uh, actually, just doing um, practicing breath holds out of out of the water like at the gym or laying on your bed okay. just to get your lung, just to get those lungs stretched out. Nice. All right. Um, who is the best person to go spearfishing with and why? Me. <laughs> Solo. All right, cool. Um, two more questions, no, Jake. No. Uh, I, I, so I, I've got, I've got two buddies, Nick Spilker, yep. who lives down in St. George, Utah. He's one of my dive buddies and, Another one is Tanner Halford, who I uh, I introduced him to spearfishing up here in um, northern Utah, Salt Lake City area, and he he absolutely loves it. And I think I, I think he loves it just almost as much as me because we we show each other like even shooting it like I think that's the I think that's like my prized position at this point is hanging out with friends and going and taking them spearfishing. And once they shoot a fish, they are so stoked mm. that it's like, it gets my stoke like above and beyond. I'm like, dude, this is way better than shooting a world record. Mm-hmm. Like I'm seeing, I'm, I'm bringing my buddy spearfishing in fresh water. That's like, it's freezing cold water. So they know what I'm going through yeah, and then nice. they're shooting a fish. Um, so th- yeah, there's actually a picture on my Instagram where there's three of us, it's snowing outside. It's like, I think the water's like 43 to 44 degrees. Yeah. We all end up, we all end up shooting some, some trout and we are all just so stoked because we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're all together and we're all miserable. Like, <laughs> Man. so, but it's, yeah, I think that's like kind of the, what I've kind of found in the last couple of years is spearfishing with buddies and seeing them shoot fish for the first time and it's just like it brings them so much joy and it brings me joy watching them that's sick Jack. hey on that note man I'm going to wrap up this episode where can people come and find you and connect with you and check out some of your adventures um, yeah so they can hit me up on Instagram um, at Big Jake Lords sick alright Big Jake it's been uh, mad chatting with you man I've had an absolute ball you were exactly the person I thought you'd be uh, when when I've been following you along and uh, it's cool to connect man and finally get this thing done so thanks for coming on the show yeah thanks thanks for having me Hey, Nuba, I hope you enjoyed today's chat with Big Jake. I know I did. Uh, he's an awesome dude. Just I love following along on his adventures. If I haven't said that enough today, I really encourage you to check him out on Instagram. Um, in two weeks, we are off to Hawaii to join Ryan Myers. And uh, from Ryan Myers Expedition, a very well-known deep diver, uh, avid hunter, uh, underwater hunter I'm talking about, um, and just a cool guy, very... Um, 
He's very good at explaining things. His YouTube channel is full of awesome videos where he breaks down hunts and stuff like that. I really enjoyed our chat and uh, I want you to as well. Come back in two weeks, subscribe to the Noob Spirit Podcast wherever you are in the world. Hope you're enjoying it and just frothing on it and getting out spearing as well and not just uh, stuck in a dry old spell because that does happen from time to time. But anyway, two weeks, Ryan Myers. If you love the show, jump on patreon.com forward slash noobspear and become a patron listener. I'm out. Have you ever wanted to slay fish with a weapon of your own creation? Good news for you, episode 123 of the Noob Sparrow podcast with Ed Martin from Killshot Spear Guns lays out the pattern and the plan to help you build your own weapon of death uh, and lay waste to fish with something with your own maker's stamp on it. And along with that, go to today's major sponsor website, neptonics.com, go to the Spear Gun Builder page and select your components to build that magical weapon and use the code NOOB10 to save a further 10% off on anything in your shopping basket. So visit neptonics.com. Use the code NOOB10 to save 10% off store-wide. Interesting message today if you are a budget-conscious Spiro. Head to spearfishing.com.au, go to the clearance tab. There's a whole bunch of magic deals and bargains in there. Use the code NOOBSPIRO to save a further $20 on every purchase over $200. That's right, spearfishing.com.au, clearance tab, you'll thank me later.